Dragon Meat 2018, it started, it's already been uh, super hectic at the podcast zone here, and I've got a rather busy person uh, joining me. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners of the Rollist podcast? Hi, uh, well, thank you for having me on. I'm Jason Hodgson. I'm from Adventures and Artists, which is a live Dungeons Dragons improvised podcast. But today I'm also helping Bez of Stuff by Bez, so I've kind of got many hats. I was supposed to interview Bez at Expo uh, earlier this year and then, yeah, it was difficult because everyone is busy there too. So tell me a bit uh, more about your show. So you're not joining the podcast zone this year, maybe next year? Probably next year, yeah. We're currently at the funding stage for a first official series. In April, we had our pilot series to see how it worked, what format would work best for it. So we've finalized on a format with live Dungeons Dragons with live improvised music. Okay, wow. And then this will be streamed on various platforms, sent out there on a weekly basis in a chunk. And then at the end of each chapter, there'll be a live concert for people to come to, which will then be recorded and put up at a later date. Where is that happening, that live concert? Do you know already what city? Uh... We don't know currently. We believe the first one will be in Canterbury. However, we are also open to come to conventions and go further up. Unfortunately, it does depend on how funding sends us. It's a work in progress. So that you got a journey ahead of you, which is quite exciting. So is it your first time at Dragon Meet? No, it's really my third time at Dragon Meet. First time was with the cosplayers that originally came, Thanet Cosplay. Second time was with Stuff by Bez and again today. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about Stuff by Bez? In the expo, it involved a lot of cats, I believe. That's, yeah, it's sort of a side thing. That's an advertising for a new game that's coming up called Kitty Cataclysm, if I can pronounce that right, which, keeping a little bit hush-hush at the moment, we're advertising the name, we're advertising that there's cats involved, which is always interesting. Cats is great for if you have products to sell. So before Kitty Cataclysm comes out, Wibble Plus Plus, which is a deck of cards with currently 26 games, I believe. Certainly more than 20, and it's always growing with uh, fans creating new games. There's a series of 50-odd cards with letters, borders, and numbers. We've got five core games, Wibble, Grabble, Phrasal, Alphabetical, and another one I can't remember. The whole premise is you either creating words, shouting words out, telling a story, or weird weird phrases that come up with so the phrasal is the phrase based ones fable storytelling and people can try it out today and people can try it out today sadly people who are hearing that are probably well in March 2019 but they can come back next you can always come back and and I'm sure Bez will be at many many other conventions it was certainly been at at Expo which people should still have time to to go there yeah I mean they're at UKGE next year as well Mm -hmm. so I believe I'll be there as well again with Weirball and we're hoping Kitty Cataclysm will be out by then where can people find you and uh, any final word for people attending Dragon Meet or who didn't attend Dragon Meet you can find me because at Jason Hodgson Composer dot co dot UK that's J Jason H-O-D-G S-O-N Composer .co.uk you can find my project Adventures and Artists which is the one with live music improvising over the live Dungeons Dragons podcast at A-N-A it's a letter N-A so A-N-A concert.com 
I'll just warn people. I'm hoping by the time this comes out, the website will be finished. It's currently in its uh, over Christmas. We're edit- we're updating it and editing it based on what we had last year. So if, if it does crash on you, don't worry. It will be ready before the concert because the links will be up there the, or the where you can download the, the episodes. And Stuff by Bez, if you search Stuff by Bez, I can guarantee it will come up on Google. <laughs> and if you search Wibble, which was double B and double L, that will very definitely come up on I will Google. include links in the description of the episode. Well, thank you very much. And I have a lovely dragon meat today. And, yeah, and everyone who's, who's been here, or well, first, if you're not, why are you not here? Come next year. It's great fun. I heard some people attend a, a tiny, puny thing called Pax Unplugged today, which, is, which um, seems really yeah. no, in any way not as it's interesting very niche, as Dragon isn't it? It's very yeah, niche. Yeah, these people sometimes, they, they prefer the small things like that. I, I don't know why. They could come to London with us. Yeah, come, come, come to Dragon Mate. Another Dragon Meat, another podcast zone. A few newcomers in the podcast zone. I've got here two shows. Would you care to introduce yourself? Adam from the D20 Future Show. I'm Chris from Darker Days Radio. And I'm Richard from the D20 Future Show. So what is the D20 Future Show about? The D20 Future Show is an actual play podcast of the game D20 Future. Our campaign at the minute is a superhero campaign. So very much heroes meets, I don't know, something daft. Uh, so it's it's a it's a slightly silly <laughs> like Holy Grail or something like that. Yeah, more chronicle with jokes, I would say. We play a sort of homebrew superhero version of D20 Future, and then edit out all the boring bits and put it out as a podcast. It takes a long time to edit out all the boring bits. Uh, the rules discussions are the worst. Yeah. So what about Darker Days Radio? What can you tell us about it? Darker Days Radio is a World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness podcast. So we review the books we interview the writers and the creators and the developers we talk to guys who create these new kind of blockbuster events for larp events so things like they just had a sabbat larp event in texas and so it's the idea of like a, a nightclub but more no, more of a rave scene and people just getting mass embraced by the sabbat vampires so, so it reminds me of the what's it called the succubus club in oh, yeah, chicago so, yeah basically we're totally into horror rpgs as a mainly things that involve vampires werewolves from the white wolf stable and when we do get around to doing things we also run a few one shots that are normally kind of a quick adventure and we record that in the space of about three hours just to kind of showcase maybe some new mechanics or some particular element of a setting i think the other thing that we're known for is we do something called the secret frequency so we often look at real world folklore myth legend and other weirdness and look at how you can use those in your games to inspire you to create cool. other new monsters and things. And then also, the I guess the other thing, we, we're not afraid to go, Nas, we, we don't care about your edition warring. So we'll go, see this Vampire the Requiem book. It has fantastic ideas in that. Why not use it in Masquerade? Like, what's the problem? Like, so what? So we do that, and we will often find some books that have, you go, that's a, that's kind of a naff book, but it's got a few things that we're going to redeem them. Yeah, that's basically what we kind of cover in the show. It's not like I got their contact details, but recently I went to MCM London Comic Con, and won a, a little game I played, I attended the Q&As, and I asked the actors, the cast, if they wanted to try a role-playing game. I think you should try to reach the people of Shadowhunter. Right. They've been campaigning very hard online to save their show, and some of them would be interested. 
apparently to try a role-playing game. I think they okay. should. Okay, possibly so. I mean, it's been amazing, I think, the success like with like Geek and Sundry's Vampire the Masquerade playthroughs. Well, it's a great doing. time for Vampire the yeah. Masquerade at the moment. Well, uh, let's, let's be honest. There's been some ups and downs that like White Wolf is getting through slowly, and I hope things do improve on that front. I mean, the thing is, is that those games kind of represented kind of like society or culture in the 90s. And it's quite difficult to bring what was considered edgy or forward thinking or risky into the modern age when I think as gamers our tastes have kind of matured and certain things are really, oh, well, you've got trans characters, you've got gay characters. That isn't shocking anymore. So how do you create shocking in a horror game is not just being crass. It's sometimes you've got to think harder about that. And I think that's where the growing pains are for New White Wolf. Your show is about D20 Heroes, but yeah. your team's going to master a game today, but it's not D20 Heroes. No, today we are running uh, Jason Statham's Big Vacation. I cannot wait to play it. Which has so many syllables. It's kind of a superhero. You don't play Jason Statham. The joy of the game is that you play his entourage, so your job is to make sure he has a nice holiday. I heard a lot of game masters saying that what they were especially enjoying was trying to make impressions of Jason Statham as part of the game. Oh, good is your Jason Statham? Um, my Jason Statham is... Uh, what I've planned to do is to do quite a lot of research, to watch a lot of interviews with him to get it dead on, and they're saved in my queue of things to watch on YouTube, and I've, I've watched one of them. Does Jason Statham have something to say right okay, now on the microphone? Okay, so um, Jason Statham would say, Trouble Richard's impression is it's rubbish. It's really terrible, so it's just sort of a vaguely cockney, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's really bad. Shite. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crap. So I'm looking forward to getting that in just a lot better in the next hour, somehow. Grant Arwit is downstairs with us. Have you met him already? I haven't, no. The closest I've got is retweeting the rules. So um, I will take you by the end. Uh, I'm terrified then. to meet the man who wrote this game I'm going to butcher. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I've heard him interviewed, and I'm sure that he is lovely. And um, I've never run Jason Statham's Big Vacation before. I've said it now a thousand times, but I've never run it. So I'm, I'm excited to, yeah, to run the game for the first time and to bring my high-quality Jason Statham impression to the table. So are you yourself excited about Vampire the Masquerade, the new edition? I have to say, I'm not a big horror guy, so I'm kind of aware of Vampire the Masquerade, but it's not, it's not something I, I really interact with. I mean, is it horror, though? Because when I played it in the 90s, the focus was not exactly horror. I think this is one of the common issues that you get with any RPG, is that there's the rules as intended and written, and the idea in the writers that this game replicates and allows you to have a particular play experience and then it's when it gets into the consumer's hands and how that actually works and those can be very different things and also from say since the 90s and then we've had various tv and media and different interpretations of vampires you can see how some of those things maybe have grabbed from vampire and grabbed from how players have played vampire which is that more let's be honest superheroes with fangs is often or vampions is as they're called the thing with the new vampire game which i've really enjoyed i don't know if you've heard about the rule system is you've got these things called hunger dice so before hunger was this thing which i wouldn't say hunger but blood your vitae in the system as a vampire was basically magic points and you could micromanage your blood and go oh we're gonna go beat up these gangsters i will go feed and top up before I need to start using it. And life really isn't just that simple, is it? As a vampire, your life is not that simple. Is it life, though? So depending upon how hungry your vampire is, a number of your dice in your dice pool are replaced by these red dice instead. And then depending upon those results, you can get things called messy criticals, where, okay, you go to punch the person, 
oh no, the beast has welled up inside you and you've punched really hard. So rather than, I don't know, beating up this person up to get information, you beat him to a bloody pulp. And then there's also bestial fails, so like the beast kind of goes melancholy and things like that. So there's more of a risk-reward in there, and you, you just can't predict how the monster's going to be. And I think that's good. It's randomized, okay. It is, that's there's cool, a random yeah. element. I mean, you can, there's a bit of risk mitigation, but you can't just micromanage your blood points. And all of that enhances the mood of the game. And I've played classic vampire, I've played Vampire the Requiem, I've played Dark Ages Vampire, and the Hunger Dice are really good for what I like to run. And yeah, okay, my players have generally enjoyed it, but I don't know whether that's just because of how I run it. So, you know, there's various opinions out there. Some people like it, some people hate it, but it's another flavour. And that's just good because hopefully there's a new generation of players that'll go, oh, this is what I want, not this thing which has been going for 20 years and I don't like that massive book because it's intimidating. But this new one... Ooh. It's quite big. I mean... The new book is kind of big. But I will bit... seize the opportunity to thank Gary Harper because uh, I had an early Christmas gift in the shape of a special edition Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, wow. So Gary Harper worked on it while he was at Modifius. But uh, what about you? What do you play? Uh, the first Vampire, does it excite you Again, in the new edition? Again, no. I'm similar to Richard. I'm not one really one for horror. I'm one of the players on the D20 Future Show. I, Richard's a GM. I'm one of the players. Horror stuff isn't really for me. It's fine. What's your kick then? Oof. This current campaign is quite entertaining. If you look at the previous campaigns, I've played someone very similar to me. Someone who doesn't really care. <laughs> Pretty happy-go-lucky. Just messes about. But I've tried in this campaign to play someone more serious. It's, <laughs> it's a difficult... <laughs> But it provides a different perspective on what's happening. Normally, I'd, I'd do one thing, like, oh, all this thing, oh, I'll just run in and, and do something stupid. But now I'm like, oh, but what would she do? She'd take a bit more calculated approach. She'd slow down. She'd think about it. It's been an interesting journey trying to get used to playing this new character in the D20 Future Show. But Richard's got a great story. should listen to it. Adam previously has played sort of tall white male characters who don't think very hard about stuff. And so it's been really interesting watching him wrestle with the fact that Nick is, she's 5'2", weighs almost nothing, and is posh, and is slightly overwhelmed by her power set. A lot of the guys have got quite straightforward power sets. Hers is more mental, so she is struggling with visions of the future and knowing that she has the power to control things with her mind, which is all a bit much for a girl who just wanted to go into politics and now basically can't, so... Adam's kind of really stretching himself, which has been interesting character work. But I think we, in the D20 Future Show, we like to offset that character work with slightly gonzo stuff, which I guess is what pushes us away from, from that kind of horror feel, which, by the sounds of things, the new vampire version is really leaning into. It's sort of preventing it from being gonzo. To a certain extent, I think I mean, you can always play it as you want. <laughs> There's a, but the new game, anyway, I would say also, it suggests how you can change that to fit the tone of your group. So... If anything, the game is shoving options at you, and having more options in the game is always good. So, you know, if you want to play Gonzo all out, Buffy style, Angel, or Near Dark, or Blade, you can still do that. You're just going to have to tweak the rules a little bit. Just not Twilight. No, no, no one's allowed to play Twilight. That's we can. Banned. If there are Twilight lovers <laughs> out there, we, we, well, we're sorry. Everyone, de- no, everyone there fandom. That's fine. I guess we love. Someone says, oh, I'm going to do something, and you think, well, there's no way you should be allowed to do that, but sure, roll a d20 and, and find out what happens. And I think... It's funny you, ma- you mentioned Buffy, etc. When I played Dungeon, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, it was a time before Buffy. <laughs> it yeah. was the height of Anne Rice and uh, 
interview with a vampire. So it was a new renewal of vampires. And it's interesting how in the zeitgeist, the look and feel of vampires changed quite a bit. Yeah, we've had so many versions and iterations and it's quite clear which ones have cribbed from Anne Rice or from Masquerade. Where it's going to go forward, what's going to be interesting with horror, because we always get these ebbs and flows in media of whether it's vampires or whether it's zombies. I'm personally kind of sick of zombies. Oh yeah. Of, uh... It'll be interesting to see how White Wolf accommodates um, Werewolf the Apocalypse in this day and age because the question with them is you're playing a werewolf, you have this internal rage that you're trying to keep in check and how you address, say, climate issues and whether it's right to be violent in order to solve these world problems. I think there's quite a lot of things in werewolf that need to be addressed very carefully in this day and age because like, some of the tribes are based on different ethnic groups and society. Let's be honest, back in the old days when the internet wasn't so you know, everywhere in the world, maybe you were able to get away with certain things in writing that this day, I don't think you can. So... They're going to have to be brave, but they're going to have to do it really tactfully. But I think they could do some really good things with werewolves. It's a very thin line to tread. I personally find, on one hand, it's very important to be respectful of those questions. But at the same time, on other matters, I personally find vampire should be something which is shocking and pushing the brief or roping in and saying, okay, there's something beyond medieval fantasy and you can play difficult stuff i mean there's a lot of indie games which allows you to play very very difficult stuff and they're great but would be great if something like vampire masquerade could bring that in the light for a wider range of players to say actually there's i mean i'm dressed up as critical role today i love critical role but you can play all the stuff just like in movies you got marvel movies and then you got more serious movie more with more difficult subject would be great to bring to a larger audience yeah, darker stories and controversial at the same time. I think the thing sometimes that's very difficult is when you're basing your games in the real world, you've got to be quite respectful. I think Marvel and definitely Marvel and DC can get away with certain things because they can make up a country. They can make up these villains that are archetypes that represent certain things. But you know, one of the worst things that you can do with horror games is to go, oh, this person is horrific because he's X, because he's a vampire or something. Like, as if being a vampire is the reason for why this historical figure or fairly recent figure is doing the heinous crimes that they're doing. That's almost excusing it's not really, it's not very clever. Whereas, like, you know, you know Marvel has things like the Red Skull and that and Hydra. They're, you get the idea of what they're saying without kind of giving a, a way out for Nazis and so forth is very challenging. The otherness of anyone is problematic. I think it's one of the reasons why we've struggled so much to understand the 20th century was that we were prepared to say, or well, the people who did awful things weren't human beings. And what we're seeing is these themes have re-emerged because we've othered those. And yet there they are on the streets of, you know, name a town in America, there's a campaign supporting things that we would never consider a human being would because we made them the other. And I think you want to avoid that because the otherness found in horror is not about them being of a political leaning or from a country or it's yeah it's about them being horrific for their own state. We in our podcast I guess our villains are they're very much leaning into those kind of superhero tropes. They're a, a corporate villain who's trying to achieve what he achieves and it seems to be for simple profit reasons and may or may not be. 
I say, looking at Adam, who has no idea what the villain is yet, because he's, <laughs> he's dealing with his own internal trauma. I uh, actually created a villain for a superhero game. I, I ran some uh, masks, a new generation, mm-hmm. a character I called Prosperity, and her whole concept was about a very dark turn on WikiLeaks and transparency and fake news, and she would manipulate information to blackmail people, and at the same time, the inspiration was the idea that she uses all of that to show herself as a hero of the people against the establishment while clearly being for her own agenda and playing that with the players who were like, if they were fighting her, there would literally be riots of people supporting her and they would be like, you're a superhero, but you're a superhero of the establishment. You don't care for the people. And with the main NPC, nice guy was a kind of, a bit like Harrow, very wealthy. You know, your Batman, very wealthy establishment at the same time. So That sounds dangerously prescient. Without wishing to get political, I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's different when you play at a private table than recorded <laughs> material. This was not uh, recorded. So one thing to close this uh, little tidbit from Dragon Meat. Anything to say uh, about Dragon Meat or what you're expecting, uh, the three of you? For Adam and I, it's our first Dragon Meat. It's our first role-playing convention. So I've realized I've booked up thousands of people to interview. So I'm looking at my schedule and thinking, yeah, because I've also blocked out to play some games. So I guess I'm looking forward to playing some games, meeting some people, telling more people about the D20 Future Show, available on all good podcasting formats. Yeah, that's, I guess, the only other thing to plug is our Twitter, which is at D20 Future Show, where I post role-playing game memes because I can't help myself. So yeah, this has been my second Dragon Meet. Last year I came mainly to run stuff, so I ran the Rusted Veins demo for V5. This year I'm mostly going to do a follow-up to our Onyx Path sit-down, which was basically we recorded an interview with the guys from Onyx Path around a coffee table. So it was very atmospheric rather than the very cold, dead of space that the internet is when you record a podcast with your mates who live in various countries. We've got some new episodes coming up. We've done a playthrough of Wrath and Glory based on Necromunda. So the players are in the Underhive trying to survive badly. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just got back from Boston. So that's where one of the other, where one of my co-hosts is. And we recorded a quick episode there with some guys who are running a LARP event soon called, I can't remember. I'll give you the notes, but essentially put it in the description, it's a though. Cthulhu mythos inspired LARP event in Providence. And the location they found has got this big building and uh, it leads out a causeway onto this island and everyone is playing cultists. So it's a, <laughs> and it's a Nordic style LARP. So we've got an interview with those guys and also some in there we've got a secret frequency about myths and legends of Boston. So again, ideas that you could use. So if you go, I want to use Boston in a game, here's some stuff you can bring into it. And that's about it with the show, other than you can find us at Darker Days Radio on Twitter, on Facebook. We've got a Discord that's slowly getting busier, and uh, we've got a blog. And at some point, I'll mostly head over back to Beast of War to do some more Kingdom Death, because that's my other sin, is toy soldiers. <laughs> Anything you're expecting about Dragon Meat? Uh, oh, well, my own Twitter's terrible. Don't follow that. It's rubbish. There's nothing on it. You'll be bored, bored to death. Yeah, like Richard said, it's first Dragon Meat. Not really sure what to expect. Then we've been here for oh, an hour and a half. We'll have a look around later, do some shopping, maybe pick up some stuff. It looks good. But yeah, looking forward to t- speaking to some of the guys here. I've had a chat to them already um, while Richard's busy playing his games. Um, and yeah, like Richard said, I'm not particularly talkative, but like Richard said, have a listen on iTunes, D20 Future Show. We're on SoundCloud and Twitter and Facebook and 
Stitcher and lots of other things that Richard deals with. I don't deal with any of it. I'm grateful for Richard doing it because I have no idea what I'm doing with it. Thanks for talking. I am now joined by someone who told the podcast zone wasn't good enough for him because he's a big shot on Twitch or Fortnite. I don't know, one of these things for youngsters nowadays. Whatever. Who are you again? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm Scraticus of the Scraticus Academy. How oh, are you? Yeah, I was on your show once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we raised a barn. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, we had a barn raising. What system did we play? Do you remember? was the Indy 5 it, it was, did, yeah. didn't really matter to be honest yeah, no, it was mostly role playing we, we had a turtle and um, actually most of the spell I used I misread completely so I did not respect the rules of concentration or whatever I was here yeah I just turned you a giant for a day <laughs> because I can I'm a magician or Scrackers, wizard or whatever Scraticus Academy where the uh, role plays fun and the rules don't matter <laughs> so tell us about Scraticus because we, we you, well you told me quite a bit uh, about it but yeah, uh, yeah. the first time you're on the Rollies podcast to plug yourself the Scraticus Academy we specialize in bringing in new and uh, improving TTRPG players mostly in role play we went full time in September we're now streaming 45 hours a week 15 hours of which are open sessions for new players to come and join in. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's been great. That's the thing I find great. I mean, in a way, you've got Critical Role. The idea is that let's bring professional player and make a show out of it and promote the hobby through something very entertaining and but professional. You sort of took the opposite route of saying, let's take complete amateurs who are already familiar with the hobby and let's show them that they could be streamers themselves. And uh, I really like the result. Uh. We have all sorts. We have people who have never played the game before, from people who have only played on the table and then decided to have a go at coming streaming. And we've also had people who... I'll get this hand out, so I stop moving the mic away. Yeah, stop moving the... Uh, <laughs> you, you don't have a headset. You're not on Twitch. We're yeah. trying to have a, a good quality of sound, so... <laughs> Sorry, you know, I'm not used to this. You know, it's... Uh, where, where, where are the lights? <laughs> But no, uh, we, we, we have all sorts come on, and uh, we started branching out into loads of different games as well. So we're not just doing 5e anymore like we played, we're now doing Cypher System. Next season we're going to be doing a bunch of the Modifius stuff as well. Um, we're going to be doing Conan and Star Trek next season. So Did you went and talk to them? No, yeah, we've literally, this is our first pass round, we've only just got here. Oh great, you so. started with the best bit, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, you know. We thought, well, we spotted people we knew, we were like, yeah, let's go say hi. Well, I'm going to plug the podcast zone and say... One of the good things, if you're sure you join the podcast zone, is that I will personally take you to Modifius and introduce you to the few people <laughs> I know. And we just played a game of Grant with Jason Statham's Big Vacation with D20 Future Show. I'm going to take them to Grant Howard. So yeah. it's not that I know them so well, but I just interviewed them once. And now I think I can be... Uh, <laughs> I'm pimping everyone here. Yeah, yeah. I'm pimping. And I'm going to pimp something with you. I was planning to do it after the interview, but this way I plug it here. I would be very happy if you could consider running a game which is by a London-based author who is very nice. And the game is very good, I think. It's called Nibiru. Nibiru. A sci-fi game of lost memories. Ah. You play amnesiacs in a mysterious, what you assume is a space station by Federico Sons. And they launched their Kickstarter today here at Dragon Meat. So hey, I'm going to take hey. you there also. Anna. Yeah. Would be great to have you. Let's go and speak to them because uh, one of the other things I do is support Kickstarters. It's not my main focus, but I enjoy supporting Kickstarters. So 
it's great to do stuff together. That's what's so great with not only the hobby, but Dragon Meat is quite small, so it's easy to engage with Robin Delos, Kenneth Hyde, Grant yeah, Zowitz, yeah. Chris Birch, all these people, the people from Simba Room yeah, yeah, yeah. and Vampire the Masquerade are, are here. So, yeah, that's the thing. Any big projects, events coming in a few months because it's going to take me a while to release yeah, that. Yeah, okay. At the moment we're speaking, we've got all our finales and penultimate episodes coming up for this season. I imagine by the time by the time you've been shedding away on the uh, floor, they'll be long gone. But, but at Christmas time... You can still enjoy them on YouTube. Yes, yes. All our videos go up on YouTube as well. So yeah, you can still enjoy them there. But at Christmas time, from the 23rd of December through to the 4th of January, I'm organizing 40 games and playing in one game. So we're going to have 41 games in 13 days. Wow. Yeah, it's about 9 to 12 hours a day, every day, D&D. We'll be all the way through the uh, New Year's Eve celebrations. We'll be welcoming in the uh, the new New Year with people. It'll be great. Anything else to add to people who maybe were to, with us today or uh, were not with us today at Dragon Meet? What's your send off? My send off, <laughs> probably the same as my uh, as my logo. Keep evoking emotions. Remember the rules don't matter, and keep that role play happening. As long as everyone's laughing, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's not a copyright infringement. You're playing a dangerous game because I'm from something called the RPG Academy Network, which is the actual proper RPG oh. Academy. Where our motto is, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. So, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Well, what do you mean, Everybody knows that. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe I was accidentally paraphrasing it's that. It's almost as famous as, mm, I'm loving it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's right there. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Squad. Thank you. I have the pleasure to be at the booth of a publishing company I did not interview yet. The two, not one, but two publishing companies joining force to their Dragon Meet to sell their awesome games. And they managed to sell one to Persephilia today. What are those two companies? They are Lost Pages and the Milsonian Arts Council. What brought you together? What did bring us together? We are poor. No, not poor, but just like, we are kind of like, yeah, we just wanted to save on the table. And so we shared the table. <laughs> we started when we didn't have many books. So like, we didn't need a whole table. And, and then we, are, we have like a bigger, of silver crowded table many years later. Now, now it's just habit. So we just carry on just doing habit. it. We're yeah. just like, yeah. So tell me about what are your games about? Los Pages books are mostly about bizarre magic and the weird. I'm sorry, did you say your name? Paolo. Mostly it's spell books. As I'm keen to say, I publish the games I wish I wrote. I'm Daniel and I am the Milsonian Arts Council for the most part. I suppose we like to think we publish auteur roleplay games. So it's the, they're driven by whoever happens to be writing. We don't interfere as much as possible. We give the artists free reign to do what they do, so we end up with peculiar books that are all independent. They all have a similar tone, but that is mainly just accidental. Any favorite ones uh, among those on the table? I would say Fever Swamp is probably my favorite one at the moment. It has been well-received, and I am glad that uh, we've done something that people enjoyed. That is Andrew, yes. Yeah, it was smooth and nice and good from the start. Not a single problem with that one. It is a uh, clean birth. <laughs> is it your first year at Dragon Meat? No, four, four, three, maybe. I don't know. Some Lots. Years. Are you based in the UK or? Yeah, Glasgow and uh, London, East London. What about you? What is your favorite game? Uh? Today we are releasing Macchiato Monsters, which has been several years in the making. 
and it has a lot of support for improvisational and the share narratives control between players and the game master and it's mostly easy ways to have games with coffee and games with coffee so is the coffee part of the game or well kind of sort of we even have like a mug with a character sheet that you can use is the author French yes Eric Newdon I don't know if that's the way it's pronounced oh, Newdon Eric Newdon Yeah. So how did you happen to publish a French game designer? Because I run a small convention in Glasgow called LasagnaCon and I put on social media, I'm, if you want to play old school games, just drop by and have some lasagna. And Eric dropped by and then we became friends. And then... Well, you should come to Dragon Me. It's just a one euro star ride. He couldn't be here today. Any other things you'd like to plug? Uh... Uh, I'd like to plug like Wandering Wickedness and Marvel and Malisons. They are uh, new magic system and new spells based on the idea that like all characters of every level should be able to access pretty much all magic. The spells have been developed with that in mind. And there are magic catastrophes, new magic rules, counter spells, magic attacks kind of in a dual-like way random starting items for wizards, magic based on both traditional fantasy magic and real world magic, trepanation drills, <laughs> and new creative uses for goats. Interesting. How did you get introduced to tabletop RPG? When I was a kid in my local library in Italy, there were choose your own adventure books. And one of them was Tunnel and Trolls. So I read Tunnel Trolls for my friends. And that's it. Well, thank you very much, and uh, have you. a lovely dragon meet. Cheers, you too. Bye. Oh, sorry, uh, where can people find you online? If they go to Lost Pages Co. UK or on Google+, Plus, they can just search for Lost Pages. Is uh, Google Plus still a thing? Because Google I will, Plus is still uh, a thing. I got my thing there, I was told it was gone, and then I went back and everything is still there. So Everything is still there. It's shutting down in August, and... People are slowly migrating away, but it's still active. Your colleague, uh, where can do you? Could you tell? Also on Google Plus, Daniel. Yes. What's your blog address? My blog address is what would Conan do at dot uh, blog dot dot com. There you go. Awesome. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Where am I standing right now? It looks like a, a brand new game I haven't heard of. Okay, so I'm Paul Michener. I'm the author of this game referred to called Liminal. So Liminal is a British urban fantasy setting. So of course there's a lot of urban fantasy things out there. An awful lot of them are American. This is something that's based more on British and European folklore. And it's quite true to the roots. There's also an awful lot of the history of places in the game. It's launched on Kickstarter in March and April. We now have the quick start out there. The PDF should be coming out later this month and coming out in print in January or February. Well, congratulations, yeah, it was successful. Yeah. yeah, very much so. So we got to fund some lovely art, which you can see here. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And also there's enough for a significant line of books as well as the main book. So, for example, there's books on werewolves, on vampires on magical societies in the setting and also places including London and Newcastle. So is it historic? Is it in the past? Is it contemporary but with 
things from the folklore uh, yeah. happening today? Or? Yeah, so it's the present-day United Kingdom okay. where magic is real, creatures such as vampires and werewolves are real. But they're in the shadows. This is not widely known. So people in the know talk about this world of the supernatural being the hidden world. And the player characters, they're not fully magical. They're not fully mundane. They know what's going on. And they are called liminals. I see you got one book called Age of Archer so it's, is it in the same setting or? Uh, so Age of Arthur was an earlier game okay, that I, I see. with Graham Spearing so this is based on the Fate system I believe it might be the last Fate game that didn't use Fate Core okay. so it came out immediately before the Fate Core Kickstarter <laughs> but it's still good it's Fate adapted for this gritty Dark Ages milieu where we're thinking about you know not the Arthur of Mallory and so on but the author of people like Bernard Cornwell and Rosemary Sutcliffe. So that sort of grounded thing coming from there, with any magic there being very subtle. What's in the book at this time? You got your own system, or are there adventures or so? Yes, so liminal, at the moment there is, of course, the system. Descriptions of, you know, sorts of player characters, what's in the setting. So that's including the supernatural factions, and a list of places, mostly in the UK, There's a couple of other places, including Berlin, but it's nearly all the UK. And then coming into Monsters, and there's also two scenarios in the back, and a lot of GM advice on scenarios. You play fantastical beings yourself. Yeah, so you could be a werewolf, for example. So in the game I ran earlier, you know, it's a mixture of the magical and mundane. So we did have a magician who was on the run from their magical society, a werewolf, a changeling who was someone with fairy blood, But there was also a policeman who'd fallen out with his old force when he came across vampires. So is there a character template you are especially fond of yourself? I actually like the changelings. If I was going to pick my favourite, it's the changelings. So how are they compared, let's say, to the changelings people might be familiar with in, in other games like White Wolf? Or how different are they? Well, they have certainly, they've got, you know, powers of glamour. This is entirely illusion. They can, if they want, go deeper and become less human and more fey, losing, if you like, control of themselves. Okay. For example, losing the ability to tell a direct lie, becoming more fey. Anything else to add, and where can people find you? You can find me. I mean, the, the website for Liminal there. is there. Yes, so it's www.liminalrpg.com. So you can find that there. Is it with or without the iPhone? Because They're, they both go to the same size, okay, actually. Okay, great, then, because I see there's two different yeah. ones. Okay, great. So, okay, so thank you very much. Well, my pleasure, and have a, a lovely dragon meet. Okay, thank you. You too. After a couple of years, we're back with Kenneth Hyde. We talked a bit about Nephilim and yes. the last Cinecon game Star Trek a while ago. Yeah, great fun. How are things going? Pretty great. You know, strength to strength to strength. Just finished Fall of Delta Green for uh, Pelgrane and did uh, Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition for White Wolf. So, new challenges. I'm always interested in games in uh, historical settings, but uh, at the same time, I know it can be a bit controversial. How did you deal with the historical setting of the Fall of Delta Green? Basically, with any historical setting, if you're writing a horror game, you look for the worst interpretation of what was going on. And if you're wrong, well, it's a horror game. There's Sethagwa's in this one. Cthulhu's in this one. So if maybe the CIA wasn't running heroin, well, maybe they are if Yogg-Sothoth is around. 
So I'm not completely familiar with the fall of Detta Green. Is it set during the Vietnam War, right it's a, after it's it? It's in the 1960s. So uh -huh. it's the decade from January 1, 1960 to December 31, 1970. So Vietnam is basically begun the year after it starts, when Kennedy reinforces the like 50 advisors that were there, and then it crescendos, it reaches its height in 69, and then Nixon begins the drawdown, but Delta Green gets shut down as an organization in 1970. So that's our sort of bookends. So you can sort of see the disaster in Indochina coming, but you're not quite there for it. So okay, it's got so a, it's a presentiment of apocalypse. Before it. Because right, exactly. When you think the, the darker times of history, I was wondering... I listened to a rather good episode from Martin Maid podcast and Historian Fire about Millet. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if you would go in a place so, so difficult. I mean, well, I wouldn't write one because the trouble with ascribing supernatural motivations to human crimes is that it lets William Calley off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to let William Calley off the hook. He was a war criminal. I want to say, oh, no, Yag Sothoth made him do that. But... When you're looking at a human disaster like the Vietnam War, on both sides of the war, there's plenty of ground in which the rot and the evil of the mythos can breed, just like the rot and evil of you know, um, uh, war profiteering or child trafficking or all the other things that are historically going on in that era and that location. I guess that's a very good, well, is any era not including that, but it's a good era to talk about corruption. Right, exactly. Both literal and, uh, and, and figurative. And, and figurative. I mean, and that's, you know, that's the human condition, but there are times in history when you can see the skull beneath the skin a little more, right? <laughs> when it's, oh yeah, this is pretty monstrous. Are there any special features in the system of Trail of Tulu, which you in inserted in the... Uh, in a lot of it was adapting the Delta Green role-playing game that Greg Stolze and Shane Ivey and the other guys at Arc Dream did to the gumshoe system. So, for example, Greg had lethality rules, because if you get hit by an automatic weapons fire or a grenade or a mortar round or a B-52 airstrike or a Shoggoth, you, you don't roll, you just die. That's how it works. And so having that lethality mechanic makes the combat feel more dangerous and alive, which is good for a game that's set in the 1960s with all these new and exciting ways to get massacred. And then the other one that Greg introduced into Delta Green that's very, very cool is the bonds mechanic where your character has ties to the outside world, like to their wife and their kids or their priest or their bartender or their old partner on the force. And as they burn those ties, they become more and more sociopathic and isolated. And that's a really great mechanic that he put into Delta Green and that I ported over into Fall of Delta Green to provide that um, uh, sense of, of isolation. It's sort of the social reflection of your sanity scale exactly, uh, right. sort of thing. And then in Fall of Delta Green also, the sort of the default sanity rules and stability rules, they get worse the longer the Vietnam War goes on. When the rest of the country loses faith in the government, you as a government employee also lose faith in what you're doing, so your sanity refreshes slower, or not at all. And so your life becomes worse because the world is worse, right? You don't have to play it that way. It's sort of like the modes in Knights Black Agents, where you can play it on bright and shining, or maintaining, I think is what it's called, and a harrowing, which is the, the, the Nixon administration one. And so that's ways that you can present the sort of amount of psychological damage that your characters are undergoing. Is there any chance to see a, a sequel or a prequel to uh, Delta Green? Well, the, I mean, the prequel obviously is, you know, Delta Green has material about the 1940s, and I'm, I don't know if they're working on a World War II. The sequel is Delta Green. I mean, that was available in 1991 or 92 when John Tynes invented it, 
and then blew up in 97 when the book came out. For that, we're doing the Borellis Connection, which is a campaign, linked scenarios following the heroin trail. Okay, awesome. And so Indochina, Turkey, Lebanon, Marseille, the American East Coast. But you got your French connection Exactly, there. exactly. Cool. It's the French connection, only mythos. So it'll be pretty great. It's great. I will look for some actual play podcasts and see if they need someone with a French accent and right. maybe I can well, play Well, Studio Dead Crows is doing a French uh, translation of uh, Fall of Delta Green. And so it's going to be available in France in French, I suppose, next year sometime. In the past, French publishers often added their own supplements. Do you know, do you know if they, they're going to I do something? I have no idea what the licensing situation is on that because, of course, Fall of Delta Green is sub-licensed from Arc Dream. I don't know how that would work. I'm sure that whatever they did would be great. But so you, you were mentioning about the social link, about uh, human characters losing their humanity. Obviously, there's Vampire the Masquerade coming out. What's your view on this comeback of Vampire? Well, I mean, I think that we did a game that is about what Vampire has always been about and supports it mechanically for the first time. I think that Kareem Muammar's hunger mechanic, uh, which was 90%, 95% his idea, is an amazing way to sort of have the lived experience. Oh, right, I'm a monster that has to drink blood every day or I die, have that at the forefront of your mind and not just sort of off like you're just reloading your blood points somewhere. And, and so I think that really makes that monstrousness present. And then the humanity rules, where you have to be connected to a human being to attempt to have humanity, that's something that was in Requiem that we sort of ported over and then reinforced. I think there's a lot of stuff that's mechanically in Vampire Fifth that has always been present in the setting, but it hasn't had rules support for it. And that was sort of my job, was to say, if you want to play the game that you've been reading about, well, how do you mechanically make that happen? And that was just what I did. And then taking out botch dice and sort of making the system actually mechanically flow correctly. I guess to some extent that's what Trail of Cthulhu was doing because uh, I personally find the, the old the 100 system, the percentile system was not, except the sanity rules was not especially supporting the mood of the mythos and I, I find Trail of Cthulhu is a bit better with that. I mean, I think that Call of Cthulhu did an amazing job of marrying theme and mechanics. The death spiral that Sandy invented still works to this day. It still drives. And the die 100 feels a little more forgiving than a, than a die 20, but you know it's still arbitrary, which is the key. Your characters are still weak flowers. I mean, I think that Trail of Cthulhu is just a really good cover of a great song. Okay. I don't think it's a replacement. It's an emphasis. It's a hey, this thing that you like, do it in this key, right? Oh, interesting. Any other projects you'd like to talk about? My annotated King in Yellow, the stories, the King in Yellow stories, I did an annotated edition of that that Art Dream is coming out with. It's, it's going to be beautiful. So that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's going in the podcast. I think it's gold. No doubt. So that's from Arc Dream uh, Publishing is doing a deluxe King in Yellow, the, all the stories that Robert Chambers wrote in 1895. I'm doing the annotations of them, and Sam Araya is doing the art, so that's going to be a prestige product that I think you can still pre-order. I hope you can still pre-order it. If not, too bad, listeners. And then coming up, we have, the, like I said, the Borellis Connection, and uh, I've got my second volume of the Tour de Lovecraft series that I'm finishing up now for the Kickstarter that happened before Vampire. So uh, that's what I'm on right now. Okay, great. So, and you're Ken, and who are you again? <laughs> no, I've forgotten already. Yeah. Anyway, we got to go do another podcast. Yeah, well, uh, have fun. Thanks a lot.
who are you? My name is Sarah Newton, and you're in the Mindjammer press stand at Dragon Meet 2018. Pleased to meet you. I think Gary Harper put us in touch at some point. Okay, yes, Gary's a great guy. Well, as Gary knows, I'm especially interested in two games being translated across countries, and especially from French. And I see here you've got a copy of Kafana. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, it's our new product at Mindjammer Press. Uh, it's a game that uh, I first discovered in the um, Salon du Jeu de Paris in about 2009. And I loved it. Uh, we saw the first edition of, of the French game. And I thought, somehow we've got to get this into, into French. And it took quite a few years, but... Um, in English, the, you mean? Uh, sorry, into English. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. The guys in uh, Studio Dead Crows in Montpellier have translated my role-playing game Mindjammer from English into French. And at the same time, we made an agreement for us to be able to translate Cafanium from French into it's English. It's perfect. It's, it's perfect. a win-win cross-channel arrangement. That's right. That's right. So we, we did it over the past few years. We kick-started it just over about a year ago and we released it this July so this is the first time it's been on sale at Dragon Meat we updated the rules a little bit we incorporated the second edition rules and made a few tweaks so it's kind of a version 2.5 okay. if you like um, and it's the first book in the series cool and uh, what did you find especially interesting about Kafana? first of all it's a gorgeous book it's really beautiful artwork the setting is very very deep I love settings that you can sit and read as a book what is it actually about? The way I explain it is it's, it's Sinbad the Sailor meets Jason and the Argonauts with Kingdom of Heaven, or it's Ray Harry has in the role-playing game. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a really epic, action-packed um, game set in a, a fantasy Mediterranean world, centered on a kind of Arabian Nights theme, but not exclusively. There are other cultures all around this Mediterranean world, and they're very deep cultures. It allows you to play historical fantasy tropes without treading on historical sensitivities because mm -hmm. it's a fictional world. Um, and I just thought it was a lovely balance of doing that. Yeah, there's a rather interesting podcast which started recently called Asian Represent and they talk about representation a lot and one of their episodes was about Orientalism. So mm -hmm. it's quite interesting how sensibilities might evolve and people might engage with that material in a more positive way that sometimes it's been uh, in the past. What did you find out about this game? Did, did you just read it or did you play it in Paris? I've, I played it afterwards. When I first saw it, I just saw the book and I thought it was a really lovely object. And I'm a big fan of deep world building. I love Glorantha. Um, my own settings such as Mindjammer and the Chronicles of Future Earth are, are deep settings. And Cafaniam has all of that detail. It's a very big, almost an encyclopedic look at these civilizations. So just that in itself appealed to me. And so I saw it at Paris, I got a copy, and I immediately began to try and work out how we could translate it into English. Perchance, are there chances of seeing other works translated from French to English definitely, by your team? Definitely. We've already translated The Quick Start, which is uh, an adventure called The Tears of Anfarul, which is a, a very... Um, Arabian-themed adventure in the Jazirat Peninsula. So it's self-contained with limited rules and a story That's at the right. same time. It's, it, it's got um, pre-generated characters, um, an adventure that lasts... You could play it in a four-hour session, but if you give yourself two, two sessions, you've got plenty of time. Yeah, and it's self-contained. But we're also going to be translating the whole range of oh, So there's French. a whole range existing in French already. That's right. And also we have permission from Studio Dead Crows to create original content oh, awesome. in the Cafanium universe, which is what we're going to do. So I'm going to be writing a couple of extra adventures to add to the setting. So Cafanium lives 
and Caffernian will continue to live as well. And maybe they will translate them back to French from your work. That would be that's, interesting. Let's hope so, yes. <laughs> so what, what do you focus on your own stories without spoiling anything? Are there specific aspects you were keen to explore which were not explored in the original adventures? I think so. I like um, what I don't like. I don't like a closed world setting. And uh, I know there's a great campaign arc in Caffernian called The Kingdom of Heaven, which is an awesome campaign. But what I wanted to do was to make sure that the world of Caffernium goes on after that. So I'm looking at slightly different sides of the setting. I love mystical aspects of settings. And I like the, the whole hero arc from zero to hero and beyond. And so we're exploring some of the more magical, mystical sides of, of Caffernium and building those out into adventures or even mini campaigns. What about Mindjammer? Could you tell us a bit uh, about that? I can tell you as much as you like well, about Mindjammer. Yeah, my listeners haven't heard you speak about it yet, so okay. go ahead. It's basically a very, very far future transhuman space opera, science fiction universe and role-playing game. It uses the Fate Core system, okay. but modified, because it's a, it's a very cool system for doing something, for, for managing interactions between scales, which uh, most other role-playing games have a bit of trouble with. Mindjammer itself is set in a civilization called the New Commonality of Humankind. It's about 17,000 AD, 15,000 years in the future. It's a civilization that's centered upon old Earth. The New Commonality of Humankind is about 200 years old. Before it came the Old Commonality of Humankind, which is about 10,000 years old, which lasted about 10,000 years. And during that time, it sent out slower-than-light generation ships colonizing star systems and because of the great communication times required to communicate back to old earth most of those star systems lost contact and they drifted away and developed their own cultures that's right and often in many cases they became different species they engineered themselves to adapt to different environments they uplifted animals they explored ai And they became very different from human beings. Have you ever heard, perchance, of Lois McMaster Bujold and her Volker Sigan saga? I, I know the name. I've never actually read that. I no. really yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, the middle name of my son is miles out of one of her characters. I, awesome. I really like <laughs> a, a series. So what do you actually play now? Do you play traders or people who work for an organization or a plower in place? The old commonality expanded to colonize these worlds and lost contact. But old Earth itself became decadent. And 200 years ago, it was on the verge of collapse when very mysteriously, humankind discovered, or did it, the secrets of faster-than-light travel. And they began to expand out to the stars, rediscovering these lost colonies, integrating them into the new commonality, whether they liked it or not. And sometimes you have culture conflict. That reminds me of a, another okay. <laughs> series of Yan uh, M. Banks and his uh, Very contact. Very much so, absolutely. And you, you can play culture agents. One of the themes of Mindjammer is culture conflict between an expanding, very powerful civilization that thinks it's correct, that thinks it has the right behind it, and individual colonies and individual worlds that don't want to be integrated. And uh, when you, you asked me, your, your original question was, what do you do in the game? You can play characters who manipulate cultures. To, they, they can manipulate the, the cultures of entire star systems to bring them into the commonality. And this is why fate is such a good system. Because in fate, anything can be a character. So can you do that as a covert agent going to a culture and they don't even know that this thing is on 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you do. You you go there. What you could go there as a secret and yeah, shape them to be ready. That's right. For integration. That's then. right. And mind jammer and in fate core. Every culture can have its own character sheet, and each culture can have its own ideologies and memes on that character sheet. And your characters can change them. They can they can mount propaganda campaigns and so on and change the the nature of cultures or maybe they'll decide that the commonality is evil and maybe they'll try and work against the commonality maybe they'll try and champion individual worlds independence and so on it's interesting in the way you play the aliens in you know the sort of conspiracies you've got nowadays that thinking of another influence they live Yes, you actually yep. play the aliens. That's right. That's right. Creating society and uh, giving the obey and this sort of things. So that could be your point of view that it's, it's negative uh, that people are being controlled and shaped. Yeah, so. I know. That's one of the things I liked. I like science fiction that, that that poses big questions but doesn't answer them for you. Yeah. You get to decide yourself. You know which is the which is the um, the right answer. And there's there's one thing I should say while we're just talking about the commonality. There's a technology in the commonality called the mindscape. And it's kind of an interstellar internet. Everyone's connected to it by Mindscape implant. You can use it to transmit thoughts and control equipment. But most importantly, you can upload your thoughts and memories to the Mindscape. And you can download memories from the Mindscape, including the memories of other people and including dead people. So you could travel this way? Well, what it means is if your character is a... You can have a sentient starship as your character. Wow. And they can have an avatar that goes on the planet, at which they remote control with their Mindscape implant. But their own personality could be based upon the memory engrams of a dead war hero who lived a thousand years ago. You can actually hack one another's memories. You can change people's memories of the past. And if you're a culture agent who's trying to manipulate cultures, this can be very powerful. You know, you can actually change the mind of people. Yeah, you could upload someone, adapt him, and re-download it. Uh, I guess uh, him, I guess, to to fit your need, and it's still the same person. Or, I mean, there's pretty many much, yeah. stories, hooks to to play with that. That's like, right. That's your right. Your big villain could be a, an old version or, of someone who disagree with how things change and, uh, and this sort of thing. Exciting. Have you been uh, a lot to Dragon Meat? And what do you have to say about Dragon Meat? I, I love Dragon Meat. I think it's my favorite convention. Really, it's a, it's a small, very friendly. Well, it's increasingly large, actually. And um, it's a very friendly convention. I've been coming for about 10 years. I haven't been coming every year, but I, I guess I've been six or seven, maybe eight times in total. And each time, it's uh, because it's just before Christmas. There's a lovely, relaxed feeling, a festive feeling, and everyone's very friendly. What you should do, as you are already bridging the channel professionally, I'm trying to encourage more French authors and uh, publishers to come over here because it's quite close. There are a lot of, lot of French speakers, so well, they actually, should show up. Actually, today we have the people from Studio Dead Crows in Montpellier oh. are actually here at Dragon Meat. And Where so are they? Francois Sedel <laughs> has he's been signing Cafanium today. Okay. Um, so yeah, they've they've been over here. So. Oh, so sadly, they're gone already. I think they're somewhere around here. We'll have to try and find them for um, you. Maybe. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I will, I will keep an eye for them. Maybe if you come for the drink afterwards and when you're done with the wrapping up everything. Definitely, okay, definitely. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having and me. And thanks for bridging the channel. That's what the, the show is really about. So it's really nice to see people are actively doing a business out of that. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Which one's which? <laughs>
Okay, there we go. Dragon Mead is coming almost to a close. And earlier today, I saw some very cool cosplay and I was like, oh, I miss them. I wanted to take a picture <laughs> with them. And now I did finally have an opportunity to, could you introduce yourself and your characters, please? Hi, my name is Fran. I'm currently cosplaying Jester from Critical Role. Hi, I'm Tegan. I'm cosplaying an OC of mine. Great. I'm, I mean, I'm so happy to see the two of you here because I was trying to encourage more critters to come to Dragon Meat and come with cosplays because I saw a lot of them at MCM Comic Con. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And it brings color to the convention. So first of all, Absolutely. thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did you have a nice day? Yeah, it's been really, really fun. It was wonderful. What have you been up to today? We've done a bit of shopping and we got to play an RPG that we've never played before, which was called... Hold on, I have the name. Golden Sky Stories. Okay, I haven't heard really, of this one. It was very sweet. It oh, was super it was sweet. Very heartwarming. What was it about? It's about... It's like a Japanese role-playing game and you play these, uh, like, spirit mm. animals. Yes. You don't use dice. It's just all about the role play um, and building relationships between all the characters. Yeah, it's really sweet to play. <laughs> Sounds cool. Uh, was it your first dragon meet? It was my first dragon meet, yes. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy you had fun here. How about yeah. you? Was it your first time? I've been once before, quite a while ago. I was helping out, I was volunteering on a, another stall. But that was like four years ago, so it's a bit different now. Are you London-based? Yeah, yeah, South London. I'm just curious because there's quite a bit of discussion about the fact that there's a lot of Critical Role fans out there. Mm. And I know in RPG clubs in London, mm. we would be so happy to have them visit the clubs more often, but it's not really the case. Do you ever consider joining one of the clubs in London? I don't really know where they are or... One of them was presented today, it's called Roleplay Heaven, for instance. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, you got Phoenix Games Club also. Roleplay cool. Heaven, they got branches in Lewisham, Stratford. West London is about to open. There might be one in Croydon. Oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah, you should look uh, into that, maybe. So, are you <laughs> playing, DMing? Both. Both, yeah. <laughs> both of you, both DM and GM. Yep. Yeah. Okay, what is your camping like? I'm playing 5th Ed at the moment. It's a very silly D&D campaign. They're all kind of pirates out on the seas. It's rather fashionable being a pirate lately. I would like to say. <laughs> we were pirates before Critical Role. Before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> we were bad at sailing before everyone else was bad at sailing. It's funny, I had a, a little run of a campaign uh, called Archipel, which is a French D20 thing which is pirates also so I was a pirate also before it was hell yeah pirates good type D&D pirates (laughs) so about you sorry I do my own sort of mashup between a game system called Honey Heist and um, 5th Ed D&D because I've got a lot of friends who are new players so I wanted to get them into D&D but thought the D20 system was really quite hard for me to grasp especially when I first started playing it so I'm slowly merging the two and integrating them so you come from indie gaming towards Dungeons and Dragons yeah absolutely did you actually meet Grantowit today I think so you think so you're not sure um I didn't ask his name, but I'm pretty sure it was him, and he seems really, really lovely. He's extremely lovely. Yeah. Though. Very tall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's okay, it. Okay, yeah, we did. Kind of brown <laughs> Kelly hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. At my first game today of Jason Statham's Big Vacation, which mm-hmm. is one of his games where yeah. you, you play Jason Statham Entourage, and you hope Jason Statham doesn't go sad, bored. Arrested isn't another one. Arrested yeah. or dead. <laughs> Definitely not dead. Okay, great. <laughs> 
So are you considering running that other game also uh, you tried today? Is it something you, you would look into? I think I probably would if I was yeah. like getting people into it that didn't really like the randomness of the dice. I've had friends like that in the past who really didn't like how the dice could screw them up. So I would definitely introduce it to them. Was this game the highlight of the day or did you have something else which you especially enjoyed today? Well, I really enjoyed seeing all the exhibitors and stuff. It was so nice to see so many like creators and um, things in one place all collected together. Yeah. We met some really lovely people who were doing like leatherworking and stuff like that down in the trade hall. So they were really nice to hang out with. Yeah, it was fun. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you online? I run a little dice shop called Infinity Dice, which cool. you can find on most social medias or just on Etsy. Critter Dice. Cool. <laughs> uh, all about you? I have a cosplay Instagram account called uh, Dragons at Play. So if you want to see just like cool progression, I'm currently working on just improving my skills. Any final message for fellow critters who have not come yet to Dragon Meat and maybe uh, maybe do you think they should come next year? Hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. More critters at Dragon Meat. That, that would be, be awesome. awesome. We, I'd, like, I'd like Dragon Meat to look like MCM Comic Con this year oh and my be goodness. flooded with critters. Yeah, it would be more t cool to see more cosplayers as well. Yeah. So you were at Comic Con this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite cool. It was fun. It was okay. fun. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much and uh, you. have a lovely so end of the day. And uh, again, too. thank you so much for coming and putting on the cosplay and Me bringing too. it. Me too. Love it. This episode included Alter Ehren by Kiro Kaz and of course our team song Solta of Frango by Bonded or Roll. Both of these songs are available on the free music archive. I recommend you head there to download them. Although at the moment, and that's one of the reasons why I only picked one song for this episode, the free music archive is changing its platform, so uh, you might have, uh, yeah, there's some difficulties with the website, but hopefully they, they will be back 100% soon. The logo of the Race Podcast is designed by Ronin Kearns. And that's it for Dragon Meat 2018. So sorry, it took so much time uh, to be edited and released. Uh, yeah, again, I had a crazy backlog of recorded stuff. Uh, I love recording, but editing them takes a lot of time. Uh, that's why I started the release present, which is streamed and it forces me to to work without editing. So now you got two different formats and uh, I hope you, you enjoy the content. If you do so, please head to Patreon to support it. Uh, as a reminder, the race present will include a live event. Uh, it will be D&D for mental health. It's on October 20. It will be at Bad Moon Cafe here in London, and it involves uh, the sponsorship of the Roleplay Heaven. Uh, London RPG community is going to organize D&D sessions in the morning, and then we'll have panels with people from different clubs, people... Well, panels. I haven't announced all the panels, but I think, yeah, I can give the quotation mark scoop here. So on the first panels that, that was announced, we're going to have Dave Coulter from the Roleplay Heaven, and he uh, he works in mental health, so uh, his insight will be very interesting. We'll have Dasha from London RPG Community. We will have Naomi from No More Damsels, which is a kick-ass new event here in London promoting female and non-binary game masters and we'll have 
Rupert from the, Globli the Goblin's Chess who organizes workshops for children and adults also, I think. But yeah, we uh, so it's definitely related to the team of mental health. And so the first panel is about uh, how do you do live event and RPG club? How do you take mental health into consideration? The second panel will be about the same subject except for online communities. And to discuss that, we will have Charlie, aka Frost and Fire, from the Encounter Roleplay channel. Um, so we got their director, which is awesome to have her here in London. Uh, we're gonna have also Critical Role UK, uh, Mitesh, who you heard in uh, one of the roles present. You're gonna have, who are you gonna have? It's, sorry, it's late. I'm really pushing to have this episode released and, uh, yeah. Uh, free music archive is not working. The, the House of Parliament here is in a rather messy situation. Uh, so Critical Role UK, Encounter Roleplay, World Anvil, of course. Yeah, we'll have Janet and Dimitris, both of them on that panel to discuss, uh, the very, um, proactive community surrounding World Anvil. And to complete, after that second panel, we'll have a social drink. And guess what? It will be a celebration of the second anniversary of World Anvil. Happy birthday, World Anvil. So, after that, if maybe that's not enough for you to travel to London, Dragon Meat. Dragon Meat is coming back. It's around the corner because I'm so late. I'm almost a year late, but I still released this thing before it. Well, you can come to Dragon Meat and you can come to the Podcast Zone. I will be there. And that's all I know about the podcast zone this year because our friend Mira is taking care of the organization and she's keeping everything very suspenseful and exciting. Um, yeah, I've heard corridors conversation and I know that yeah, she had big plans in mind and exciting guests. So I think it's going to be a, a great new edition of the podcast zone. So you should definitely come over to meet streamers and podcasters and enjoy the, the old dragon meat fun with us what else yes so i wanted to make this quick but i did get finally thank you very much some reviews on itunes and on purchaser so uh, i need i am obliged by the law because i, I follow the rule of law like some people who are in powerful positions uh, and I need to read them to you. So, we have a review from Mortry, or Mortry, I'm not sure. So, reading the reviews, the, the bad pronunciation, pronunci pronunciation is part of it. Great RPG show. A great little show, informed and informative, and always entertaining, even when discussing aspects of the hobby that I'm not strongly interested in. It's also cool to get a perspective of the UK of the UK scene of the UK scene by someone who is part of it but not themselves a Brit. Worth a listen. Thank you so much, Motry, for this five star review. Uh yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean yeah, seriously, uh <laughs> I cannot stress how happy it makes me to get reviews like that. Thank you so much. And then we got Strictly Come Gaming, five star, great show, super helpful, would recommend, smiley face. You see, you don't need to write a long text. It makes me already super happy to have Strictly Come, Ga Strictly Come Gaming uh, 
Kommen, liebe Five Star Review. Uh, thank you so much. And and yeah, uh, I'm gonna try not to edit too much this thing. So sorry, you you're gonna hear the breathing and then all the stuff I usually remove, so I can catch my train tomorrow. Yeah, it's a crazy month. Um, I think I read the next one already. It's from Large Fry Star Wars about the never-ending never ending story episode. I will double check, and if I didn't read it in the previous episode, I will read it in the next one. But I'm pretty sure I already read it. Let me check if I got any new review from the US. No, no, no reviews from the US. Those reviews were from the UK, and I'm super thankful. No new reviews from France either. Still have only two, so I don't even have a rating on the French platform. Let me check Podchaser. I think I had stuff going on there. And then, and then off you go on your merry way. You can plan the rest of the month. See, Akadosh, you were saying that sometimes those announcements at the end, they, they're a bit, they sound a bit robotic because, uh, I follow a text or something, but today it's just a mess. Clicking all view all reviews. The kind GM. Sure, I read that one already. One of the best tabletop RPG podcasts out there. (coughs) It covers a huge amount of topics, so I never get tired of listening to it. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much, the kind game master. It's very kind indeed, and um, and uh, yeah, posting a review on Podchaser helps me with my little personal goal of trying to beat the Adventure Zone uh, on that platform. That would be cool. Although it's up to you to tell me if it's deserved or not. Uh, thanks, the kind GM. Please go check the kind GM on Twitter and check. I'm gonna check. Okay, confession time. I interact with so many nice people on Twitter that I'm not always completely sure of what they do. I believe the kind GM has got a blog. Yeah, he's got a blog. The kind GM dot WordPress dot com. Please go check him out. He had a, a rough time with Twitter, which I had also at the moment. So he really needs those, uh, those new followers and uh, this traffic on his blog which I'm uh, confession time I'm not reading because I don't read blogs but uh, yeah it looks very good it looks very nice and uh, the last article is Unearthed Arcana about Sorcerer and Warlock uh, Sorcerer and Warlock analysis so yeah go check the kind GM thank you very much good night take care of yourself yeah, hopefully uh, things will be for the best here in the United Kingdom and uh, yeah see you at the for Mental Health I would love seeing you there come say hello to me if you are and if not uh, see you at Dragon Meat and in the meantime have good games Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vestida Vai batuque! Rolê! 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 Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê! Rolê! 
Rolê, solta o frango e vem com a gente. I say, drag meters, are you having fun? Well, it's not over yet. Coming up at six o'clock is Ken. And, uh... uh What's that other guy? <laughs> I'm keeping that. That's the way you want to And <laughs> this is like one of those Trump pods. Right, yeah. I, 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 think, I think Chris is dead. <laughs> Someone check on Chris. Him just having me murdered is his only <laughs> Yes, right. Oh, Coming up at uh, six o'clock in the seminar room, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Uh, an hour long seminar of joyous news. Then please remember the cloakroom is shutting at seven o'clock. Uh, you must collect your items by 8 o'clock, otherwise they will be delivered to the hotel as lost property.